The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Make a little bit more uh, space. Looks like me, like Liz is going to come back. So, see her. We should make a little bit space for her too. Can you can you guys move a little bit further that way? And that way, if Liz comes, we can maybe put her things here. So I'll tell you a a famous um, Mahayana Buddhist story, tale, fable, about um, a young person who um, decided to leave the village and go travel around the world, see see the world. And before this person left, uh, a friend went and uh, found the person's coat and without the person knowing, uh, sewed a very wealthy, very uh, valuable jewel into the lining of the coat. So the person would have some resources in case there was a need traveling around. So the person went off and traveled the world and had various fortunes and misfortunes and misfortunes and, and became poorer and poorer and more and more destitute and uh, hungry often, lost often, um, kind of gone for so long, kind of forgot who the names and identities and and um, but it always kept the coat and then kind of by chance in these wandering destitute, a little bit kind of lost states of mind, this person eventually because it kind of reached rock bottom the person eventually by accident kind of wandered into the home village and there was a friend and said, oh, oh, so great to see you. And how have you been? And so slowly got the story out that the person had, had actually had a hard time and because there was so much poverty and such struggle. Said, but, you know, right there in the lining of your coat was this, all the wealth you could have possibly wanted, this very valuable jewel. But I didn't know who was there. No one told me. So uh, the story goes on with kind of the, the kind of moral of the story is that uh, we all have a jewel that's in our lining of our heart, maybe. And the Buddha has told us it's there. So now you know. You're, 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 you're wealthy beyond your imagination, at least spiritually. That there are all these really great treasures, jewels inside of you. And uh, they're there to support you and help you and guide you and kind of keep you uh, safe and protected and, and spiritually wealthy as you go through the world. And uh, so things like um, uh, virtue and ethics, things like compassion and love, things like generosity and wisdom, things like equanimity and kindness, things like patience, um, things like um, uh, stillness, peacefulness, inner quiet, things like joy and happiness, 
there's a, you know, you can go on and on. There's, there's a huge long list of jewels that you have. Most people, many people don't know they have it, or they know and they forget, they lose track of it. It's in the lining as opposed to on the outside. And so we have these wonderful, skillful qualities. It's easy to get attached to them. It's easy to expect that to suffer around them. Um, you know, Hillary is, is more joyful than I am. Therefore, I'm a lousy, you know, no good, you know, grump. <laughs> and uh, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I'm just, you know, like, you know, so I feel like I'm a loser and I feel bad because, I, you know, because I didn't know I was supposed to be joyful and I didn't mind being not so joyful. But then I come to IMC and Hillary's always smiling and laughing and I just feel like, you know, something's wrong with me. And uh, so it's possible to be oppressed by these ideals. And then it's possible to feel, well, yes, I'm supposed to be joyful. I better work on it. And I think that if I, I think if I really strain hard, I can I can kind of feel it, and I can kind of get it out there, and you know, and um, get more and more angry the more I'm getting joy. This you know, forcing my joy out. So there's all kinds of deleterious things that can happen with these ideals, and so it's dangerous to have them. But they're in you, and how can you awaken them? How can you open the door for them? How can you allow them to be there? How can you evoke them? How can you bring them forth in a way that's supportive and helpful? And this, we keep coming back to this four right efforts. The right efforts also have to be, do, has to do with how you make effort. So I hear that joy is a good idea. So how I pursue joy, how I awaken it, how I evoke it is important. Not just that I do it, uh, so it can be the, effort, the way I make effort be balanced? Can the way I make effort be not straining and striving with expectation, demands, and judgments? How I make effort is good. And that's kind of, as like I said before, the secret, because it's possible that in the very effort, there's joy. If you find the right way of making effort, it's joyful. Just like it, uh, uh, when some, uh, some people do certain kinds of play, when you're playing, uh, sometimes people don't think they're making any effort. They're not, they're not self-consciously making effort to play. It's just like, self, like self-conscious disappears in good play. And there's a lot of engagement and involvement that goes on. Um, but no one seems to complain about the effort so much. You know, unless I, read, I, I read so many years ago, of, they took someone who was supposed to be really fit. I think it was uh, U.S. astronauts who were well-trained and fit to to go to space. And they took him to a, a, a schoolyard of small kids. I don't know what age the kids were, but they were kind of pretty young. And they, they, these astronauts had to follow the kids around and do the same thing the kids were doing. And the astronauts, were, after a while, were exhausted. <laughs> you know, it's, you know it's, I think it has all says about, you know, it's just many, many things going on. But um, for the point, point I want to make for the kids, it was just play. So there's something joyful about doing right action when we're engaged in a nice way. So how we make effort is part of the part of the art of this. So there are these beautiful things. We don't want to be blinded by them, try too hard. We don't want to think that we have to have them all the time. We don't want to overvaluate them and live in a kind of fairy tale life of you know, fluff and sweetness and everything's okay, and kind of put that overlay on top of the suffering and challenges of life. Um, We want to be able to use the treasures we have uh, within in order to address the suffering of our life, to meet it with honesty and clarity, and meet it in a way that's supportive and helpful. And that's one of the key reasons in Buddhism why there's an emphasis in these treasures and these inner qualities that are skillful is uh, not because to develop them for their own sake, per se, but these are really conducive uh, states of mind that support the movement towards freedom and liberation, that really moves towards a mature, healthy state of being for any human being. Um, They're conducive, they're they're 
They're like the nourishment for spiritual growth. And so, um, so one of the tasks is to recognize them, to know what some of these important things are, to have a healthy relationship to them, um, to cultivate them, to spend time with them. I think of some of these things, um, they're actually probably more available to you than you usually avail them, uh, than you usually avail yourself of. So if you leave here today, and I don't know, you know, it's a blue sky and maybe it's still sunny enough, you could walk out the door and say, well, you know, we finished at 3.30, I have the important things to do, you know, and the next important thing to do is, you know, half an hour away, I better get going, and you're rushing, and you just zoom out the door and look for your car, and, and you know, that's fine. But you missed an opportunity. There was an opportunity to go out, feel the fresh air, look at the blue sky, feel the kind of clean air that we have after all the rain, and kind of, oh, look at this. This is nice. It's peaceful. It's No one's oppressing me at this moment. There's no wars on the gang warfare on the street. You know, it's like kind of nice here and peaceful. And, and um, you know, and kind of and just doing that, it evokes maybe a mod- modicum of some joy or well-being or contentment or inspiration or relaxation or something. The point being that you, if you, sometimes you take the time, it's possible to find in the moment ways of touching into these wholesome states of mind that are not some big deal to construct and you know, to forcing something that's not there. It's available if you kind of just open to it or take time for it. A spiritual life is supported by being unhurried because in being hurried, we miss so much that's around and what's possible. And what, one of the things we miss is the possibility of being reminded or being kind of or valuing healthy states of mind, useful states of mind. So, so to recognize them, to value them, take time for them, to allow them to come up and surface, to work through the various... Um, <clears throat> Uh, unhelpful attitudes we have for them. I don't deserve it, or I don't have time for it, or I'm supposed to, or it's all kinds of ways in which we kind of make it more complicated than it needs to be. And this is all part of the growth, is to look at it and work it. And then we come to the fourth of the four efforts. And, uh, and I'll read it, what it says. One awakens enthusiasm for the continuance, non-disappearance, strengthening, increase, and fulfillment um, by development of arisen skillful states. So what it means is, the shorthand is, if there are skillful states that have arisen, keep them going, maintain them. And the way they say maintaining them is... um, uh, 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 let them continue, let them not disappear, let them become stronger, let them increase, and, um, and bring them to fulfillment. It's kind of a nice quality. So kind of like let them grow and develop and stay. So I'm, I'm, uh, I have enough wherewithal to walk out the front door at the end. It's, wow, it's kind of, air is clear, I've been inside most of the day, this is nice. Take a deep breath. Simple appreciation of it. Wow, this is nice. I feel relaxed. I feel like, wow, there's space, there's time. I'm just here in a simple way. I'm content. This is nice. Good. So, you know, it might be a good idea to, to kind of stay close to that. I know I'm going to get in my car to drive somewhere, and driving can be a little bit challenging for me, but, you know, if I take extra care to be unhurried as I drive and give the right away of anybody who seems to want it as I drive... Just take my time, and if I drive in the, sh- in the slow lane on the freeway rather than the fast one, I think I can stay close to that place where I'm breathing at ease, where I'm content, where I'm kind of like, you know, things are going well for me. And this way that happened when I walked out on the porch and, and looked at the sky. So I can keep it going. But I have important things to do. 
they're really important things to do. People are, you know, what's most important? Is it most important all the important list of things you have? And that your sense of inner treasure and well-being, does it have no importance at all? It's easy to sacrifice senses of well-being and happiness and joy because in the moment it might seem other things are more important. Chances are, if you really study it carefully, they're not. They, it might be that in the bigger picture, you become more helpful for the world if you really cultivate and developed a sense of peace and inner well-being that you carry with you everywhere you go. But it does require making choices, choices of not being unhurried. If you want to be unhurried, you might not, it might be important not to fill your day with too many things. It may be important to give yourself enough time to get between things. There might be all kinds of choices. This is where the wisdom factor comes into play. You know, this is what it takes to maintain it, to keep it going. And then it's also a skill to learn how to keep these things going while you do things quickly, without being hurried. There was um, uh, one of the senior Zen Center priests at Samsko Zen Center many years ago. He was like one of the... In seniority, he was like number three in the seniority of being a senior teacher. And he left Zen Center after being there for many years. And he went and worked for Smith & Hawkins Garden Supply Store back then in Marin County. And um, and, uh, so there was a mailhouse store and they were mailing things out, garden supplies. And uh, because he came from Zen Center, he would periodically arrange to have Zen students um, be hired because people that are Zen students, they know how to work, they're very honest, they're reliable. So they thought it'd be good to hire the Zen students. So they hired some of them to uh, pack the boxes, to mail things off. And these, some of these students knew how to be mindful, that they were into it. So it was time to pack a box. They'd open the box. And it turned out you can't run a business at that speed. So some of them actually lost their jobs um, because uh, there's something, you know, and being quick doesn't have to mean hurried. So I went from the, the monastery kitchen where I had that chance to do things mindfully that way. It was great for me to learn it to working at Green, a fast order cook at Green's restaurant where we, we served 200 people at lunch and you had to do, like you're serving up cooking three or four dishes at once and spinning around the kitchen. And uh, I loved it. It was great. But I had to learn to let go of all my resistance. And I had to let go of any idea that I was supposed to do things slow. But I had to be there fully there. So I was quick, but I wasn't hurried. So that's part of the art too. So anyway, so the idea is to maintain these things and keep them going and to uh, value the importance of that and how do we keep it going? How do we uh, value these good states of mind and heart more than our neurosis, more than our attachments and clinging and getting busy and getting lost in our activity and all that? So uh, maintaining. So there are four things, four right efforts. And there's a little slogan for each of them, one word. So there's um, preventing, abandoning, um, cultivating or evoking, and then maintaining. Uh, So you want to um, prevent the arising of unskillful states, unskillful effort. You want to abandon, let go of that which is unskillful, that's arisen, that's occurring. If, if there's nothing skillful going on, bring some on. And if, uh, and if once you've brought it on, then um, keep it going. Finally, I'd like to say, in order to keep it simple, so you don't get too complicated trying to orchestrate you know, all kinds of things that maybe shouldn't be evoked at times or difficult, um, one of the most skillful things you can evoke and cultivate 
is just mindfulness. To be mindful of what's happening. So you might be grumpy. And the last thing you want to hear is someone tell you to be skillful. You know, and evoke joy or generosity. Like, give me a break. But if you're mindful of it, the mindfulness is skillful. And then if you try to be mindful in a skillful way, with not too much, not too little, just then that becomes the seed or the, the, creates the momentum to some kind of deep healing and freedom that can happen. So uh, don't, you know, don't, don't think you have this evoking skillful things means you have to be cheery. At the, I mean, at the minimum, it just means you're aware of what's happening. You're mindful of what's going on. So, um, what uh, reactions, responses, concerns do you have for what I just talked about? What's, uh, what, what comes up for you? Yes, and probably I still need to use the mic if maybe... And I keep... Um, I just had a question with what, if you could explain the difference between being quick and being unhurried. Oh, uh, I think maybe the difference between being quick and being hurried. Yeah, it being being hurried is that um, <clears throat> we're not really present anymore. We're kind of ahead of ourselves. Quick just means that you're with yourself. You're there, but you're just kind of doing it fast. You know, I mean, I can do slow walking meditation, be very present, and I can run and be very present. You know, I go for a run sometimes and. And I'm very present as I'm running. You know, and, uh, I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's easier for me to be present when I'm running than I'm going to do formal walking meditation. Um, but I'm running, you know. So uh, the speed in which we do things doesn't have, to do, doesn't have anything to do with the inner sense of hurriedness, the push, the leading forward, the, 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 uh, the quickening of the mind and the desperation of the mind to get something or get somewhere goes on. It just means I'm being quick. Yeah. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's actually quite fun to do things quickly and, and fast, you know, because, you know, um, sometimes um, I walk down here Sunday morning to teach usually, and it's about a half an hour walk from my home to IMC. But sometimes I leave home late, a little bit late. And um, so then uh, the first block, sometimes I'll run just to make up for the lost time. And so I'm, you could say I'm in a hurry. I'm not really in a hurry. I'm just making up for the lost time so I can get here on time. And I love running. I just feel so happy to do that little run. And, um, you know, but I don't, I don't feel hurried or oppressed or, I don't, you know, I'm not, don't think it's a problem if I come late to IMC. But, uh, you know, I try to get on time and I just do it. You know, it's fun to do the quick thing sometimes. So if I'm in a state of aversion and I see it as aversion, but I'm still struggling or caught in it, just being mindful can be a wholesome state? Yes. Wow. That's good. Yeah. In fact, the, 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 the Theravada, the Buddhist tradition says that <clears throat> um, uh, the, the claim, I, I don't quite believe it, but this is the claim, is that um, um, mindfulness is, you can, all, you can only have one state of mind at any, any given moment. So when you're mindful, the state you're in is wholesome, skillful. Um, I, what, I think for most people, what they, what, what it looks like, what they experience is that these things are coexisting. But mindfulness is always skillful. So you can just know that, take refuge in the fact that, that, you know, I'm aversive, but there's something good going on too. I'm mindful of my aversion. So I'm going to look at this another way. Um, We're talking about being too much in a hurry, but what if, what if, let's take it the other way. What about detachment and isolation? It's also not helpful. Remember, we're looking for the balance. You know, so, so the question always is, 
Is it skillful or unskillful? Is how it helpful? do you know? But how do you know? Well, you know a little bit by the consequences, and you know a little bit by uh, the reason why you're doing it. So, um, one of the peak experiences of my life was, uh, first peak experience of my life was living alone uh, um, in, out in, in a rural setting. Um, I didn't feel isolated, I didn't feel, I didn't really feel alone, but not having the solitude for one week was, you know, it just was, it was like one of the great delights of my life. Um, uh, a year or two before that, um, I lived in Berkeley, in an apartment in an urban area, and I didn't have any friends, I didn't have any job, I was trying to find work, and nothing was working for me. And um, I was really depressed. I felt more isolated in Berkeley than I did in this rural place where I didn't see anyone for a week. So, so you know, how do we get isolated? How do we feel? You know, how does this happen? I, um, I could isolate, when I was younger, I could isolate myself from other people. I could be kind of afraid or I could be angry and I would pull back in myself and then I'd feel so alone. But I was the one who did it. Um, uh, and there's times when I've gone, uh, gone off on a, you know, on a self-retreat in the mountains um, to meditate for a week by myself. And um, I didn't feel, you know, it was actually felt more expansive and freeing and nice. So what's the effect on it? Do we feel contracted? Do we pulling back? Are we aversive? Are we... Um, um, so I think, I think what we do in mindfulness is we study the intention, what's operating, what's going on. We try to be wise about the consequences of what we're doing. And sometimes, um, 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 you know, the two activities that can be described in very different, very, look very similar. The underlying conditions that are going on are radically different. So, so you might, but you might want to ask more or explain more what you're concerned with. No, uh, I just think you know people think, sometimes think that um, being serene and de- being detached, it, and and you feel content. You know, is right. there? Um, how do you know when you are maybe detached and it's not wholesome? How would you know? Right. Well, that's where it helps to have um, uh, friends who can tell you. You know, so sometimes uh, a friend, uh, sometimes that's part of the role for a teacher who gets to know you, say, you know, I, I think that uh, what you, your detachment is an attitude at being aloof from your experience. I don't really think that you're mm-hmm. really, that's real equanimity or real dis- un- un- non-attachment there. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're holding yourself away. So someone can point, that's one way. And the other is that if you're mindful, if you learn how to keep developing mindfulness, you're always looking to be more mindful, more aware, more sensitive to what's going on. Your whole psychophysical system will give you the information you need to know. It'll be your teacher. You'll feel that something is off. I feel uncomfortable. I feel very detached, but if I really am mindful of my detachment, I feel like I'm a little bit shrinking into my shell. That doesn't feel good. So I think all the information we need is there if we're mindful. And then, if you're, and then occasionally someone like a friend or a teacher can try to point it out to you. Thank you. And it's a, definitely a problem, especially in the Buddhist world. Um, you know, anytime you have an ideal, the ideal can be misused. You know, and so uh, the whole idea of non-attachment uh, can become... See, in, in the Buddhist English, detachment is not healthy. Non-attachment is. And the difference is that detachment is a, is a pushing away or pulling away. Non-attachment is, you're not pulling away, you're just there. But you're not sticking to anything. Thank you. Great. So any responses, reactions to all this? Not just questions, but where are you at for the day? I'm still a bit 
confused about um, if they're preventing unskillful states of mind. Um, I think when I when I start when I think I need to work on that, what happens is that I I dig around. And I think, okay, what unskillful minds do I want to prevent? And then I'm stuck in those unskillful states of mind. Oh, because mind. you remembered them. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So I mean, so I really don't know how to do that. Oh, don't, don't uh, assume that. Don't assume there's a problem. Okay. Until it's clear. So, but if it's already there. Yeah. Then 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 you work to abandon it. But uh, so if it's a regular visitor. So, like, say, say that you're going to visit relatives. And it seems like, for this particular relative, it seems like you're always getting, starting to get uncomfortable, and after a while you get kind of annoyed, and after a while you bark at them. You know, you've been doing this for 32 years, you know, or it seems like three t- in the last three visits. So, you know, I think I, think I need to be careful when I go into that circumstance, try to prevent myself from getting kind of caught in my discomfort. So, okay. So you kind of have enough history that you know you have to be prepared. Um, and so, but, uh, so you, it's because you have history that tells you that certain things are important for you to take care of. But if you don't have that history and know the circumstances, I'd assume, I'd suggest for you that you assume that everything's okay. And then, and then, and in that okayness, um, just kind of stay with what's healthy and wholesome and skillful, and you know, and just appreciate and enjoy and and uh, love yourself. No problems here. It's usually not good not to go looking for problems. Well, I guess it was the fear that that old thing is going to come up again. You know? it, yeah, if it, if, it, uh, if it's a reasonable fear, because you have a, you know experiences where it keeps reappearing, then you might want to be careful. Okay. But you might also look. Maybe this is where mindfulness is always helpful. You also want to look sometimes, spend some time looking at your fear, because it's possible to know that you have a tendency for some unhel- unskillful thing to arise, some attitude. And you can have some wisdom. This is not useful. I think I should try to figure out how to prevent it from arising and have no fear in relationship to it. You know, if it happens, it's unfortunate. But maybe you don't have to be afraid of it happening. It's so the fear is extra, maybe. And so then, so what mindfulness would do is would you bring attention to the fear and when the fear is resolved or settled enough, then you just go about your life and do the best you can. And, and if it pops up, deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Is yeah. that it? Yeah. And, and many, many things are easier to deal with when they appear than when they only live in our fear. Oh. I guess I didn't really understand that first one about preventing unskillful states of mind. I just... That still kind of, I don't. That still kind of confuses me. That statement. Uh-huh. Well, it could it could be as simple as when you drive home today, don't be in a hurry. Oh, okay. Because then, uh, because you're in a hurry, then all the drivers irritate you. <laughs> but if you're not in a hurry, you can you can just appreciate. Look, look at those nice drivers. And, uh, <laughs> They have, it's amazing we have cars and someone had the forethought, forethought to put in a road here and it's, it, there's not any potholes. It's pretty cool. So preventing irritation by driving home carefully. So, 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 so it's that simple. Yeah, thanks. I just wanted to say I'm really feeling a lot of gratitude, Gil, and, and to the Buddha and to you and all of us here, but just for knowing that these treasures are, are within us. Uh, just a sense of uh, 
just gladness of, of knowing that uh, they're in us, they're available to us. Yeah. And it seems like a lot will flow from that. Yeah, I think, it, I think, I think it's a useful attitude that there's more that's right with us than wrong with us. But we tend to focus, many people tend to focus on what's wrong, so it seems like there's more wrong. But there's actually more good, more skillful, more wholesome things going on. And it's just, if we can broaden our perspective and get, you know, see it more in a, in a you know, right in, a, in a balanced way, we'll see that there's a, we, ha- we have lives of tremendous blessing and tremendous beauty and we, we're, we're beautiful beings. Just on that note, um, um, say you do, um, like, you have a, a good day, but you did a lot of meaningful elements to it were in the day, including, say, visiting a person in ICU and singing with them. And then you go home, and your partner starts saying, look what you did. Um, look at the, the, you're always spilling stuff. You're always this, you know. And that, after you felt so good about yourself... Um, from what a, how much you accomplished and what nice things you did all day, and you get insulted and over, you know and hard, you get all this stuff dumped on you. Um, I'll tend to walk away, but um, I just was wondering how you would deal with that without having a reaction of "I want to hit back" or "dear." Are you having a hard day today? Is there something I can do for you? And I'm I'm sorry that my behavior is upsetting for you, but what can we do? And should we go for a walk together or have some tea? Or what would you like? That's that's what I would do. So I'm yes-butting you, because the reason why I'm yes-butting you is is this behavior occurs over and over again. Like you didn't... Look at what happened in the bathroom. You didn't put this right. You didn't put that right. Um, dear, dear, this happens a lot here in our relationship. Uh, I think we're going to need to sit down and really have a talk about this so we can find a way to live here harmoniously. Are you interested in having that conversation? And uh, find a way, and maybe I have to change. I know I might have to change. Um, but let's sit down and really find out what's going on so that when, when you want me to change or want some different behavior, you can approach me in a way that feels more respectful of me. And I want to be valued yeah. um, much more. I would like to be um, valued for all the good I did during the day whereas this other thing becomes like forget that's 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 you have to be careful for that that you as soon as you want something from your other person you're asking for trouble (laughs) I think that it's enough uh, either just say to the person that uh, this doesn't work for me it doesn't work for me that you kind of are so critical you might have important things to say but it would be nice if you could say it in a way that's uh, more respectful. And if we can't do that, let, let's figure out what's going on in our relationship, what's happening, that's going on. And they'll say, yes, but you're always wanting, me, you're always wanting something from me and wanting me to be, treat you a certain way. And I feel so oppressed by it, they'll say. So, oh, I had no idea. Oh, so we have to kind of find a different balance between us. Or they say, I don't want to talk about this. You know, I'm not interested. That's your problem. You have to change. And then you say, well, if that's how you feel, uh, it's not re- I, I, I really, it's not acceptable for me that you keep being so disrespectful. So, um, so and therefore, I'm not going to talk to you. Or therefore, I think we're finished. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we'll take a time out. Take it. Well, well, we'll have to take a time out, and you, you know, some. I mean, sometimes. I mean, I'm, I mean, this is maybe a, a too small of a point, but uh, there are uh, there's a ways of you know being kind and approaching someone in a in a kind and harmonious way, and to, you know, and 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 um, and, uh, and if they don't return the return that, if they keep being disrespectful, being harsh or angry or violent, um, and you've tried to address it and try to deal with it in various ways. And it persists. That sometimes you have to. Lay, at some point, you have to just lay down some clear boundaries and say, "This has to stop. If this doesn't stop, then um, you know we're taking a time out. We're, I'm going to go, you know, stay with my friend and 
or have confiscating your keys to the house. And uh, you can go stay in a hotel. And, and uh, One thing I just realized from when, when you were talking is that in that moment, um, the dishes were important, so to speak. And I was thinking, why should I be reprimanded about dishes? In a gentle way, it was the reprimand. It wasn't an angry yelling. Um, when I did so much good today, this is what I'm thinking to myself. What's no, the difference that, with the dishes? That's, 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 that's a poor thinking because um, uh, yeah. your friend, that's, you're bringing your world, expecting your friend to, to somehow know all that and take that into account. It's, 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 for him or her, it's an invisible world. So you don't want you want to be very careful that you don't bring a lot to another person. But you did a lot of good for the world. It was great. Keep doing it. And the very thing that you want is often what's really good. If you really want something for someone else, uh, turn it around and offer it to the person. And in this circumstance, the very kind of respect and, and support that you feel like a day of doing good. The fact that the person's upset about the dishes, it's probably a symptom that that person has a need to be seen and to be known. You're not being seen, see them. And if they're seen, then at some point they're ready to see you. That's my little philosophy. One other thing, if that's okay, that we were talking about fears. Um, and. Or, or should I just stop here? Well, you've had a lot of time just now. I mean, I want to make sure that everyone else in the last ten minutes have a time, because um, yeah, yeah, it's good. That's great. Thank you. There's a mic right there. I noticed that there's um, somebody in my life who I really care about, and they pointed out to me that I don't listen to them. And I think of myself as a really good listener, but I noticed that it's true. They'll be talking, and all of a sudden I'll realize they were talking. (laughs) Um, I don't know where this came from, and I think it happens with them with other people too. And I don't know. I'm thinking of asking them, could you just, like, tap on me when you're talking so that I know that you've started talking? Um, and I don't know if you have any advice about that. Well, I, I mean, the, maybe it's the default option that I'm, I'm trying to promote is uh, for you to cultivate stronger mindfulness and uh, be more present. Uh, uh, plan ahead when you're going to be with this person and kind of tell yourself, this person, I really need to take care of being attentive for this issue. And... Um, uh, develop strong mindfulness, be in your body, track yourself, be, you know, really try to enter into it with a lot of intentionality to try to really stay present and track yourself so that you notice when the person's talking, notice when you're not listening, notice. Um, so I, I would, that's my default, is just make, make a concentrated effort to, uh, and maybe you can't do it for the whole hour you're together, but maybe you can, for the first time you do it, you can do it for 10 minutes and then slowly you develop that muscle. That's one. Uh, you can certainly ask the person and say, can we have an agreement that you let me know? And the person might be willing to, to tap on you and let you know. One thing to keep in mind that um, uh, you might be a good listener sometimes, but uh, uh, other people, that's not conveyed to other people. They don't realize it. And so the Intention and impact are two different things. So you might want to um, uh, not only listen, but learn to listen in a way that they realize it. Yeah, I think when I'm really listening, people realize it. Uh-huh. And it's, yeah. So that part's okay. So what happens but, to you when you stop listening? What's going on for you? Um, I'm not even starting listening with this person. It's just... Not even starting. And and, oh, yeah, and then, yeah, sometimes I will listen and then come in and out. And it's, is it because of that person? It's, all, it's, it's unique to that person more mm-hmm. than anybody else? Mm-hmm. So what's really going on for you inside of you? Even before you go see the person, what's, what's going on? What are you reacting to? 
Well, th- that person has a history of not listening to me uh-huh. and limiting and excluding certain topics and saying, oh, go talk to your girlfriends about that topic. Don't talk to me. So there's probably some... So, you, so, you're, so you're arriving with an attitude. It's a, yes, it's gone unconscious, though. Like, I just mm-hmm. realized it just this week. Yeah. So I think now yeah. it would be good to make that conscious. Yeah. And anger and resentment. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's a whole area that then becomes important for you. Look, it might be more important to look into those areas than it is to listen well. Because if you can look at those and resolve those issues, then you might naturally listen well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So w- one more, and then oh, maybe, go ahead, Yolanda. Then. Yeah. Um, when I do a lot of skillful actions like generosity, loving kindness, patience towards this person. Um, but I feel like that he wants more and more and more of me so I feel like I can't give those skillful uh, actions any longer well, it's, it's, stop be, it's stop being skillful, it's skillful, being skillful. Skill, skill, this, uh, something is not skillful only because it looks good only because it isn't it, it, skillfulness is part of a of a uh, there's a there's a m- multiple aspects of anything we want to do there's the intention we have and that can be skillful or not skillful there's the purpose for which we're uh, doing it which is a little bit different than the intention there can be the consequence there can be how it's received in the world can be skillful enough. So I can have a very skillful motivation to be generous, but the consequence in the world is not beneficial. So because a consequence is not beneficial, it's not a skillful thing to do. So being generous to, uh, to being generous to someone who's going to take advantage of you, it's, it's not really skillful to do that. So skillfulness is partly defined by the consequence of what you do. So, so um, yeah, so yes, there are people like what you described, and it's not helpful to keep supporting that, and just, it, there's no end sometimes, right. until you're exhausted. Yeah. So the last one, yes, Sally. I just want to say that somehow, in all my years of practice, it's fundamentally escaped me how to actually cultivate wholesome states. It seems like I've, I'm, I mean, I'm just seeing this today that I sort of felt like it's something that either happens or doesn't happen, but the, and I know I've been hearing that teaching uh-huh. forever, but something has uh, opened in me oh. to the possibility Fantastic. of this really, I'm very happy, thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm very, I'm delighted. The day's been a success, the day's been skillful. <laughs> Great, thank you. Okay, that was a great way to end the day. So, um, each of you have treasures, each of you is a treasure. There's a beautiful, the whole path we're on is a beautiful path. The paramis are, all the paramis are part of these treasures that can be evoked and supported, that are all skillful things. And, um, and then, it, not just what we do, but how we do it that's important. And so the kind of effort we make is important, how we approach it, how we do it. And so if you want to evoke skillful actions, skillful states, it's possible to do that, do it in an unskillful way that's counterproductive. So, you know, how, how you engage is very important. And, um, and if you take care of these things, even if you just take care of how you do it, uh, so much more of the Dharma, so much more of the path will open up for you. And uh, it's a great thing. It's, as I started off today by saying, uh, this morning when I came down here, I thought, this, is, this, this particular parami, the right effort or effort, is um, the most important one. And it's not always so obvious because the idea of effort for some people is effortful. 
you know, it's a little bit oppressive and, you know, it's kind of hard, it's a hard kind of idea to get across that it's not, it's actually can bring joy if you find the sweet spot to learn how to engage in a nice way and it's actually more enlivening than it is uh, tiring. So I hope that um, this has given you some things to consider. If nothing else, it's given you a four-fold framework and looking upon what you do <clears throat> is what you do dangerous and stop doing it. If, if it's nothing dangerous is happening, keep avoiding it, the danger. If it's beneficial, bring it on. If it's beneficial, keep it going. So that's kind of a simple way of talking about these four skillful actions. So it's a <clears throat> useful way of thinking, and it's a way of thinking which hopefully also frees us from being moralistic about ourselves and looking upon ourselves as being good and bad or right or wrong. It's very simple. Is it skillful? Is it helpful? Or is it not helpful? And may you do the things which are helpful to help you be happy and peaceful and to help you bring happiness and peace to our world because it's nice to share it with all beings. May all beings be happy. So thank you for coming for today. And um, if um, we could have maybe six, seven people stay behind to do some of the basic tidying up, it's very much appreciated. Uh, there's a bathrooms and the kitchen and the trash and maybe vacuuming in here. Are there people who can stay and help with that? So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, great. And uh, Anne is the manager. So you could check in with Anne and, and, uh, about what to do and how to do it. And it's very much appreciated. And uh, may your weekend be a, a skillful weekend. Thank you. Kusula. Kusula. K-U-S-U-L-A. Ah, Kusula. Ah, Kusula. <laughs>